morning, everyone. Are we awake? Awake. Week number six of the uh, Wanderer series, looking at the book of Numbers in the Old Testament and studying through kind of chapter by chapter. And we're going to look today at a story. It's in Numbers chapter 22 through 24. It's a story that uh, many know in their Bible. It's the story of Balaam. And uh, we've probably heard the story of Balaam several times in our life. If you've been in Sunday school or maybe VBS or different things, even this is one of the kids' stories that you hear a lot about that a lot of people will know and recognize the story of Balaam. He was the guy that was a, a uh, prophet or seer kindly of God, and he could uh, come and uh, nations would ask for him to come and receive insight on what God's plan was for their nation. So if you want to go home and read and study chapters 23 through 24 this week to kind of go along with what we're looking at, uh, there's multiple places in this uh, passage that I think are important to uh, what we need to know and understand about the children of Israel that was as they were wandering through the land of uh, uh, the wilderness because of their uh, actions and some of their things that God was uh, not pleased with how they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, and they was constantly bickering and griping, complaining, and blaming God for everything that was wrong in their life, when uh, the whole time it was by God's provision that they were allowed to even leave Egypt. And they should have been grateful for God for the freedom he had given them, but instead they chose to blame him for everything that was going wrong rather than everything that was going right. And in our lives, I think it's kind of uh, symbolic to us in our lives that God has been a lot better to us than we've given him credit for. Amen? How many can attest to that, that God's been better to me than I deserve? I'm not good enough to deserve the grace of God. I'm not good enough to deserve the blessings of God. I'm not good enough to deserve the salvation of God. It's only by his grace and his mercy that I'm able to stand here today. So as we see this story of Balaam and as he's traveling through and this uh, nation of Israel is out in the wilderness and, and there was a lot of people and there's uh, different things you can read and different uh, commentaries will say how many people uh, were actually there in the nation of Israel. And some people say it was uh, maybe two million people that was traveling through the wilderness. Some say up to six million. That's a lot of people either way. Have you ever seen a group of two million people or a group of six million people in one spot camped together in a big campsite? When we go to Carter Caves, we take over that one little wing and section of Carter Caves. There's usually 50, 60, 70 people over there from Bethesda that goes. And as we're sitting there, it seems like that we're, we're in the midst of the camp, but there's a group of us together. And because we're grouped together, there's other people that's there, just maybe uh, a family comes with their kids. And, and we've seen different people uh, every year we've went over. I remember a few years ago, there was a family that was from one of our sister churches down in Versailles that was camped right over beside of us. And we got to talking to them and speaking to them about what we was doing for our church. And we was over there camping. And they were uh, grateful that they were set beside of fellow Assembly of God believers. Amen? So you never know who's surrounding you when you're together in that group. But here the nation of Israel, they were traveling through, and we've seen all these things that uh, God has been giving them, and 
correcting them, instructing them, and pointing them in the direction they need to go. And here they are out in the wilderness, and as they're traveling through and camping in their six million man group, that's a lot of people, six million people grouped together in a camp, as they're traveling through this wilderness desert type experience, we see that there's other nations or other groups of people, other little communities of people, and as these six million people come through, they begin to get worried because they think, are they here to take over our ground? And I think this is one of the stories in the Bible that affects humanity more than anything. It's from the time you'll see, if you go back there in that nursery this morning, I assure you that out of four or five kids that's back there in the nursery, and they're there, and two of them's Melissa's, and, and Bubba's got the little boy back there, and, and you know, uh, uh, Brandon's got his son back there today, and, and they're back there in that little room, and I'm sure there's probably 50 toys in that toy box. Amen? There will be 50 toys there that they can play with, so there's plenty to go around. There's all kinds of toys. It's toys not a problem. But there will be an event here in just a short order where there's four or five of them wants the one toy because that's all it already happened because it's humanity. It's the way we are. So they want that one toy, and it's, it's, it's usually one of the early, uh, wherever you see little kids, the really young, two to three years old, they all say this one thing, and it's kind of repetitive. Mine, mine, all mine. It's mine. <laughs> so you get in the toy box, but you got uh, maybe another family comes over to visit at your house, and, and they're play, playing with toys, and, and your kid's there. They don't, they don't say, man, I'm glad. There's a few kids that will share, but very few. Most likely, they'll say mine. And how much does that uh, not only last through our childhood, but it goes on into our adulthood? Amen? That's my house. You're welcome to come over to my house. Oh, you need to borrow my car. People wanted to go hunting before, and I said, yeah, you can borrow my gun. Bubba borrowed my gun before. People borrow stuff, and they say it's mine. But really on this earth, I truly believe that there's nothing here that's all that important. Amen? The flower wilts. Trees die. Houses cave in. Buildings collapse. We lay up all these things here. And Jesus teaches us, don't lay up for yourself treasure in earthen vessels. Amen? But lay up a, a store in, in, in heavenly places, in, in the spiritual realm. Won't you lay up for uh, yourself in heaven someday? So this story of Balaam, I really think, is about people that was afraid of losing what was theirs, what they thought was theirs. But the best verse I know of in the Bible is where it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything here is God's. The chair you're sitting in, that belongs to God. The house that you live in, that's God's. Amen. I know you go to work and you get money and you pay the payments and all that, but whenever you're gone, it goes right back to the earth. It's God's. 
So as we see this, these nations that were seeing Israel come through began to get scared because somebody else was there and they felt they was going to lose what was theirs. Afraid of losing. Afraid of giving away something they've worked hard for. And I think this hits home to us because we work hard our whole life and we strive to gain things and possessions and, and do things to make life easier and better. And the older I get, the easier life gets. Amen? Now I can start to see someday, hopefully, we're going to pay our house off. It, the end gets closer. I remember a few years ago, Bubba got to pay his house off and how, how they were grateful and, and just smiling and happy. And it was a good day, wasn't it, Bubba, when you don't have a house payment no more. It's a good day. So the older you get in life, maybe like Albie, she's not sitting here thinking, man, I can't wait till all them payments are over with. A long way to go to get through some of the payments, right? The younger you are, the longer the payments are. So these people had worked hard to, to gain things in life but here, that their community was afraid because somebody was bigger than them. The community that was coming through their land and using their land on a path to get to where they were supposed to go was bigger than them. And oftentimes in our life, I think we are afraid of something that God is blessing going to overtake and take our stuff. Amen? If somebody comes through town and, and they're extremely blessed and, 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 and we really don't like that other people are blessed is the true problem. How much do we rejoice when other people are blessed? This is an attitude thing with God, I believe, where the, he's checking our attitude or where, where does our heart stand. If he decides to bless somebody else, we shouldn't be jealous. We shouldn't be envious. We shouldn't desire their things. Amen. We should pray for God for protection. But these nations, they asked because they were scared and they couldn't talk to God themselves. They, but they asked Balaam, won't you go and get the kings of these little communities went and sent to get Balaam to come to them to pray a curse over Israel. How often is it like that for us where that we're asking for a curse on somebody else because they're being blessed. I said in the world that of social media that we live in, where everybody knows everything about everybody, amen, used to be that happened on the phone. They'd pick up the phone and tell everything they knew about everybody else rather than posting it on Facebook, and now everybody sees it. But I see often this word thrown out on, on social media. It's the word karma. How many ever seen the word karma? Karma. And people, whenever something's happened to somebody else or somebody else is, is, is getting stuff or doing something or it seems like that it's unfair or they don't like it very much, they'll say they wish karma on them because they want something bad to happen to them. So humanity, they wouldn't wish karma on their self. Has anybody ever wished, I, I can't wait to reap what I've sowed? 
Is that a prayer you wake up in the morning and be like, God, I have, I have failed you so miserably, and I'll just pray you would just curse me today. Please, God, just, just curse me today. It would, it would be awesome for me to receive some karma. Never heard it. Don't know anybody that would pray that way. Why is it we want karma for everybody else but grace for me? I think it goes back to the mind issue. I want my stuff to be blessed, but what about my neighbor? I love Lewis County, but what about Greenup County? I love Lewis County, but what about Mason County? I love Lewis County, but what about Round County? I love Lewis County, but what about Carter County? And heaven forbid that we go the other direction and say, I love Lewis County, but fooey on Adams County. Or fooey on Scioto County. This is all counties that we are within arm's reach of as a county. Over a quarter million people live in, that, in those counties that touch Lewis County. 250,000 people, a little bit more than that, about 260-some, in those counties that just touch Lewis County. Are we praying blessings on just us as a county or our surrounding communities? Amen? I love that Lewis County has an educational foundation. Amen? But just this past week, whenever we done the educational foundation thing and, and Leslie and them went down and they give away this stuff to the school and everybody walked through the line, 450 kids received back-to-school things that they was able to go to school with the stuff they need to start school with. That's awesome. But there was somebody that goes to our church, Bethesda, attended Kentucky Heights campus, messaged Leslie on, on Facebook and said, okay, I've got grandkids that live in Lewis County. Do you know of anything there? Greenup County. Do you know of anything up there that does something like this? So Leslie got on Facebook and posted, does anybody know of any activities or any organizations that help kids with back-to-school stuff? So it's one thing to want us blessed, but what about our neighbors blessed? Balaam, he came through, and he, he was somebody that would come and, and would, would do these things. He would, he would come, and he would pray to God, and God would give him the things to say. And, and it was kind of like uh, in the Old Testament. We'll see throughout the remainder of the Old Testament that God would bless communities, and he would curse communities. Because of their actions. It wasn't because it was God's desire to curse anybody. That's not his will. Amen? But because of their actions, he can't bless what's cursed. If his Bible says it's cursed, it's cursed. You can't bless it. So Balaam would come and he'd pray and God would give him the words to say. And he would speak what God was telling those people. These kings would have him come. So as Balaam's traveling through and, and God tells him not to go, don't go, Balaam. The king sent for the, go get him. So they come up as a delegation. Hey, Balaam, uh, uh, he wants you to come back and speak because there's a big nation of 6, 000, 6 million people is there camping beside of us. Will you come? Balaam prays. God says no. If God tells you don't go, what should you do? Don't go. So 
The king's men come back to him and say, King, Balaam won't come. How many knows that's a slap in the face if you're a king? And you're asking some little peasant type guy to come and, and speak to you and he won't come. So he sends back a bigger delegation with more people that, that were higher in, in, in leadership in the community. So they go back and get Balaam and go to him again and say, The king really wants you to come, Balaam. You really need to come. Balaam prays that night and God says, Go, but you can only go and say what I tell you to say. Look at your neighbor and say, You need to say what God says. Amen? Not what I want to say. Sometimes I want to say things that I need, just need to shut up. Amen? Let me give you a piece of my mind. No, I don't need to give you a piece of my mind because usually my mind is corrupt. Anybody else with me? So as, as this is happening and God says, okay, go ahead and go, Balaam. I told you not to go and I don't really want you to go, but they're really uh, pressuring you to go. So if you go, only say what I tell you to say. So God allows him to go. So Balaam takes off and it, it says he saddles his donkey. And he takes off on his donkey riding around through these cliffs and these mountains in this wilderness region. And he's traveling through there. It says that the donkey saw an angel. What if your animals could see what you can't see? What if your precious little dog gets up in the middle of the night yapping and sees things that you can't see? Amen? What if your cat meows outside your window real loud, giving you warning that something's going on, Maybe it's God using your animal. How many things he can? I do. It's in the Bible. So the donkey sees this angel standing in the middle of the path, and it says that the donkey got over next to the cliff, and it rubbed Balaam's foot against the cliff, and, and, and kind of wounded his foot. And it says that Balaam took his stick and beat the donkey. How many wants God's protection? Amen? Balaam was being protected by God. Untelling what was going on on that trail. But there was an angel there. And that angel was there for a reason. So Balaam gets mad at the donkey. He goes a little bit farther. And the angel goes on up to a little narrow spot where the, the, that the donkey can't get around him. And he gets in the middle of the road. The angel's standing in the middle of the road. This is in the Bible. Read Numbers 22 through 24. And as it's standing in the middle of this little bitty path that the donkey can't get around, the donkey gets up to it and just stops and won't go. Well, Balaam hits the donkey to get it to go. The donkey's like, I'm not going. What if your animal's smarter than you? Everybody say, that's me. So the donkey then lays down while Balaam is still sitting on his back. Completely lays down on the ground and Balaam's sitting on his back and it sits down and he stands up and he hits the donkey two more times to try to get it to go. And, and he, he gets so mad that, that he's so mad at this donkey because it won't do what he wants it to do. See, the problem was Balaam thought the donkey was his when truly 
The donkey was God's. He was mad. That's my donkey. And it should do what I tell it to do, when I want it to do it, and how I want it to do it. God said, go, but only say what I want you to say. The donkey starts talking. Have you ever had a conversation with your animal? Probably several of you have cussed your animal or beaten your animal or kicked your animal or, or wounded your animal. You probably even talked to your animal. I tell Jake all the time, get out of here. That's what I say. It's like, oh, come over here, poor Jake, poor little thing. Gets over there and she just hugs around on Jake and, and pets around on him and then he thinks he's going to do to me what he does to her, lay there on her. So she's got him now where he thinks he's allowed to give me a hug. And it, this ain't no little dog. This is like a 50-pound sack of taters type dog. And he comes over, and he'll get up in the chair with me on my love seat that I'm sitting in, and he'll get up right beside of me, and he'll throw himself over and upside down and lays his head right up under my cheek, and he thinks that's a hug. Leslie loves her dog. And I'll talk to Jake sometimes because I sometimes it's good to get a hug. Where you get treated like junk all day at work or maybe everything's going wrong and, and things are not good in life and you get home and, and, and Leslie's trained Jake to give you a hug and you get there and you sit down in your chair and here comes over Jake just knowing you've had a bad day and he's just like, I've got to eat all day. I've sat in this house all day. I've got my comfortable chair all day. And he just comes over and he'll just give me a big hug. And I've talked to Jake. The scary part is, if I had a microphone of all the conversations that Leslie has with Jake when I'm not home, and she's alone, it'd probably be scary. You've talked to him. I come home one time and he was talking and you didn't even know anybody was there. Tell the truth. So Balaam's talking to the donkey, and actually it's God talking through the donkey talking to Balaam. How scary is that, that God's got to use his creation that you think you own to talk to you? How far does God have to go to speak to you? That's my question for us today. Are we so self-consumed with things with prosperity, with items, to what extent does God have to go to talk to you? And when was the last time you heard him speak? When was the last time you was truly praying about something? God, I need to know what you think. Amen? Amen? It's scary whenever, as a pastor, you get those messages. Brandon messaged me a few weeks ago. He was going through something, had something going on in his life, and he's like, I want to know what do you think, what, pray. What, what's God think about what we need to do? How many knows that's how you ought to guide your life? What does God think about what I'm doing? 
Balaam wasn't going to talk to the king on God's behalf because he was actually doing it on his own power and thinking, I'm going to, going to ride my donkey and I'm going to ride over there and say what I want to think when God said, I only say what I tell you to say. What extent will God go to talk to you? This is a term in, in uh, religious circles, and it's called the sovereignty of God. Has anybody ever heard about the sovereignty of God? Do you know what the sovereignty of God is? In layman's terms, what I think it is is his will is bigger than yours. I think he's more powerful than you. Amen? I think we can have our own will and we can bring our own destruction upon ourselves, but it's not God's will. But we're bringing it upon ourselves and it's only interfering with us. Amen? Does anybody, anybody know anybody that does wrong things and has wrong actions and wrong attitudes and, and wrong manners and wrong things going on in their life and they bring destruction on themselves? That ain't God's fault. But God's will is bigger than their will. And people can laugh and mock and make fun of God and act like he don't matter and he has nothing to do with anything in their life and whenever they go through hell on this earth, it's not God's fault. Somebody say amen. It's not God's fault. If you want to rub your finger in God's face and say fooey on you, that's up to you. But whenever you reap what you're sowing, don't be mad when karma comes home to you. And if you pick on everybody else and be a bully and, and all this stuff and you're always causing trouble and chaos and division and divisive, don't be mad when it comes home to you. God's will is bigger than yours. That's his sovereignty. He's got a big plan for humanity in this earth. What do you think his plan is? His sovereignty, what does it mean to the planet Earth that we're living on today? I think he has a plan. I think he really has a desire for your life. And I believe he'll go to great lengths, amen, to talk to you. If he'll use a donkey to talk to Balaam, who wasn't even an Israelite, how far will he go to talk to you, somebody that's been redeemed by his blood of his son? Our ears need to be open to what thus saith the Lord. What is he saying to me today? And am I on the path that he has created for me? Am I doing what he asked me to do? And have I given up on what I thought was mine? Try to do it this week. Here's a task I want to give you to do this week. Whenever you're talking to somebody maybe out in the community or somebody you're talking to and you say, my house, don't say my house. Say God's house that I live in. Or wherever you're talking about my car, say God's car that he lets me drive. If you're talking about where you come to church, don't say my church. Say, God's church that he lets me go to. 
Everything you do, if you, see, if you hear the word my come out of your mouth this week, I pray that God would overshadow you and cause you to think it's not mine, it's his. Amen? Not my job, God's job that he lets me do. Everything you say my to, I pray this week that he would thunder in your ear just the same as he did to Balaam. It's not your donkey. It's mine. Because we need to encounter God more for his blessing. If we want him to bless us, we've got to be able to listen. Amen? How many wants to be blessed by God? I'd say it's everybody here. It's either blessed or cursed. I'll take blessed. Deuteronomy, it tells us. Blessing or cursing. I'll take blessing. But it comes in his terms. Let's see if you'll come and play. The sovereignty of God means his will. So this week, are you willing to allow his will in your life? And maybe he might ask you to go somewhere or talk to somebody or do a good deed for somebody. Maybe there's people in our community that's maybe outside of your normal little huddle, your holy huddle that you're a part of. Maybe there's somebody down the street from you, and maybe they need something. We just had a phone call this morning of some young lady that needs food. I'm glad I've never come to that place in my life where I have to call church to receive any food. Is anybody glad? I'm glad I've never come to that point. We are a benevolent church and we do have a benevolence fund and, and part of the money that comes in goes to take care of food for people just like that. I'm glad that we as a church collectively will give to people in need. But we got to listen to God. It can't be where that I just say, ah, they're just begging the church. I can't believe they're using everybody. You don't know all their circumstances. How can we judge them? And if you won't trade places with them, we better be willing to help. Amen? If you don't want to trade places with them, would you like to go home right now and find out that every bit of food in your house is gone? That you have no food whatsoever, period? Maybe somebody over in, in Nigeria somewhere hacks your uh, credit card account, your bank account. Maybe they take every bit of the money you have and you go home and there's no food in the cupboard. There's no canned food in the basement. There's no extra food around and you're absolutely at the bottom of the barrel and you have nothing and no way of getting anything. And you have to ask somebody for help. Until you've ever walked in their shoes, don't judge them. Amen. So as a church, here just real shortly, we'll call the lady back and say, we're going to go get you some food.
Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your sovereignty. God, I thank you for the story of Balaam in the Bible. Father, I pray for the people in this room. Lord, the ones that were able to listen, the ones that were concerned enough about their life to listen. Lord, I pray that they receive some guidance today. God, I pray that there will be provision in their path as they go forward. God, I pray that they would open their ears to be able to hear what you're saying to them. Just as Balaam, Lord, you used a donkey to talk to him. Lord, you'll go to great extremes to talk to people. But Lord, I know in my dealings, in my spiritual walk, God, that whenever I turn my ear from you and I don't want to hear from you and I shove my finger in your face, Lord, I'm not going to blame you that it's your fault when hell comes on my life. God, I want to hear you this week. Lord, I want to know that you're near me this week. Lord, take off my spiritual blinders and cause me to be able to see what you see. Help every person in this room. And Lord, even if they're too stubborn, even if they're as dumb as Balaam, when their donkey lays down, that they think it's the donkey's fault. And God, it's your provision, your protection. Open their eyes to see, God. Lord, I pray for your sovereignty in our life. In Jesus' name.